averaging the fewest air yards per attempt. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yards per attempt. everybody welcome in another fresh edition yards per attempt we are almost in 2021 thank god 2020 is almost over it is the 29th day of december again in the year 2020 happy new year to everybody out there hope everybody's safe hope everybody had a great christmas my house is an absolute mess there's toys everywhere but i digress everyone was good holiday season's been good i hope everybody could uh, reflect upon themselves and enjoy the holiday season with friends and family because we cannot enjoy the thought of the Raiders making the playoffs because they're not going to make the playoffs just like every single other year in the past 18 except 2016. This team, and we'll get to a conversation shortly here with my buddy Ryan Lopes, still Ryan5 on Twitter. We sat down to have a true and honest conversation about the direction of this franchise under John Gruden, where it's going to go, what we could see in 2021, what are the needs of this football team? I'll give you a little hint. A lot of them on the defensive side of the ball, but I just want to talk about Saturday for one second, the utter disgrace that it was. Look, we all know that the Raiders were probably not going to make the playoffs after the collapse, after the loss to the Chargers, loss to the Colts, blown out by the Falcons. We knew this team, was the, it was off the rails, and they weren't going to make the playoffs. That being said, they had the Miami game won. The game was absolutely won. John Gruden made the comment yesterday that it was one of the worst ways he's lost in his entire career. He called it disgraceful, and there's no other way to put it. I wanted to win that game. I wanted to have wins over the Saints, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Dolphins to give you a little bit of a glimmer of hope going into next season that this team can compete with the the top teams in the AFC and the top teams in the NFL, which I think they can. But there's just a giant roadblock in their way. And I'm not going to dive into it too deep here. We have a long offseason to get into it about the culture of losing about losing football players on this football team and it trickling down to everything that they do. The offense, again, performed well. Derek Carr performed well. I wanted to see more from Josh Jacobs. And we can question the Gruden decision to not score Jacobs and go for a field goal till the cows come home. The bottom line is the Dolphins started with no timeouts and 19 seconds to go from their own 25-yard line, and the Raiders lost. It's almost unfathomable. It's almost worse than the Raiders beating the Jets and the cover zero, cover zero Greg Williams game. It really is almost worse than that. The lack of discipline, Damon Arnett in a cover two, staying in the flat and not dropping like he's supposed to with no one out there. Arden Key with another inexplicable penalty. I mean, it's just losing football, losing football by a team that in the past two years has shown so much promise. John Gruden shredded this roster down to nothing and built it back up. 
And him and Mayock came out and said, we want to build it the right way with good football players coming from winning cultures and winning programs. But we yet, we have yet to see it. We see the same losing mentality, the same thing back-to-back years where the wheels absolutely fall off, where the offense goes stagnant, where the defense can't get off the field. I could sit here for 25 minutes and tell you how disappointing it is and how ridiculous it is. It was on display for America to see what kind of dysfunction this Raiders team still has. And it's up to John Gruden, who's not going anywhere, Mike Mayock, who I don't think is going anywhere. I don't think is going anywhere. I hope John Gruden doesn't use Mike Mayock as a fall guy for Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett not having great rookie seasons. I really hope that doesn't happen. But as we head into another offseason, and I'll get into it more with Ryan here in a second. As we go into another offseason, and we call this the most important offseason in the history of the Raiders to get back on track, you're looking into playoffs where you're going to have a 10-6 and team missing the playoffs. We talked about it on this podcast all year long. A 10-win team not making the playoffs. You have 11-win teams going to playoffs. The AFC is loaded and loaded for years to come. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, all these guys. All these teams stacked and loaded. You have to do something drastic this offseason. You have to do something that changes the face of this defense and makes it compete and comparable to the rest of the teams in the conference. The offense is fine the way it is. You had a piece here, a piece there, another draft pick, another offensive lineman, another weapon for Carr. I get it. Great. The offense can compete. You have to do something drastic on defense. You have to go out there and trade a couple picks for a guy like Jalen Ramsey or trade for a DeForest Buckner type of player. I don't know who those players are. Again, we have a long offseason to talk about who and what and when the Raiders should do in the offseason, who they should target. I don't know enough about the draft yet to talk about the draft. But I wouldn't rely on the draft if I was his football team. The draft has brought them some good players, but it's also brought them some busts. So you need to do something drastic to change the face of this defense to change the face of mediocrity. So when these late season collapses happen and maybe the offense hits a little uh, a rud, the defense picks up and says, it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be with us. I don't know who that player is. I don't know who's going to be available to trade. It's going to be a very different offseason. The salary cap's going to maybe not go up. Maybe it will go up now with the 17 game coming up. But as we sit here, Two more days left to go in the atrocious year 2020. We're looking at the same story as we did last year, with the Raiders possibly finishing seven and nine back to back years after starting six and three. Either drastic changes have to happen on the defensive side of the ball in terms of the roster, or the head coach has to look himself in the mirror and say, What am I doing wrong? Because you can't have this type of team every single year. He said he didn't want to come here to steal money from this team. Right now, he is. He has a worse record after three years than Jack Del Rio and Tom Cable as head coach. And I know he tore it down, but for as much hope as this team gives you, as quick as the hope comes, and as quick as the hope comes to the surface, they just slam it down on you, slam it on your fingers. So something has to change. So that's why I wanted to have an honest conversation with my friend. We go back and forth about Derek Carr, about a bunch of different things. He's not a big John Gruden fan. We talk about it, but... We needed to have a heart-to-heart about where this team was, where John Gruden was in his coaching career, what the roster looks like. What about Henry Ruggs? We talk about all of it 
here. All right, it is my pleasure and honor to welcome into another edition of Yards Per Attempt, my buddy, your friend, still Ryan Five on Twitter, Ryan Lopes. Ryan, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. It's been a long time coming for us, too. EB, man, it is an absolute pleasure. We've, again, tried to synchronize calendars as best we can, and you and I stay in touch as often as possible. And I'm so glad to finally be sitting down with you, brother. Seriously, happy it's, happy holidays, happy new year, all that good stuff, right? All that good stuff to everybody out there. And it is, again, another year of Raider football that we have to talk about where they don't make the playoffs, where we see some improvements, but not enough. Ryan wanted to settle the, I shouldn't say settle the score. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, want, Ryan wanted to have a heart to heart conversation because yes. going back and forth for a long yes. time. It needed to happen. Let's start with the big <laughs> elephant in the room. We call it the $100 million elephant in the room. <laughs> and that is the head coach, John Gruden. Ryan, we all know if you follow Ryan on Twitter, and you should follow Ryan on Twitter, you know he wasn't a big fan of the hire. He wasn't a big fan of, of Gruden coming back for his second term. He wasn't as a big a fan as I was of the hire coming back, mm -hmm. and maybe it was more nostalgia, uh, if anything. But, Ryan, as we sit here, the end of year three, John Gruden has a worse record after three years than Tom Cable and some other Raider coaches. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, where do we sit back-to-back -back years of six and three and now missing the playoffs again? Where do we sit in the third year of John Gruden? How would you assess him as a coach, him as a roster builder for this Las Vegas Raiders team? Yeah, so and I'm glad you kind of split it up like that because you have to break it down into those kind of two two compartments. There. So coaching wise, again, I wasn't as, as you as you politely uh, stated, I wasn't a fan of the hire at, at all, and and not a ton has changed. But again, credit words. I'm a big fan of credit. It will eat all the crow for as, for as much as I talk. I will certainly eat the crow. Gruden has had streaks, you know, last year, this year, especially to start the season where he was coaching his butt off, man. And, and, and this offense certainly was moving. Um, he had Derek Carr fired up. Everything seemed to be clicking. But when Gruden goes cold and for a coach that has the unbelievable luxury of a 10-year, you know, contract, $100 million, whatever it works out to be, for a coach that is paid so highly – um, those cold streaks, they just simply can't happen. Um, so that's kind of my big gripe coaching wise. And I think, again, we don't have to dive into my whole philosophy right now, but I just think <laughs> in general, he's been a largely overrated coach. He obviously caught fire in Oakland very early on, super young, which was awesome to see, but I think largely in part of an, an overrated coach. Now, coaching aside, uh, my two cents on it on the player evaluation side he has never in my opinion shown he can do that in Tampa never. Bay his teams you know after he was given the Tony Dungy built Super Bowl ready built squad he's he just kind of floundered around obviously got canned eventually in Tampa Bay did a phenomenal job in the booth off the field we're seeing what we saw essentially in Tampa Bay in in Oakland and in Las Vegas now right he's never been a talent evaluator those who got excited about them like Mayock hire right he was the GM everyone knows I mean if, if you can't look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that John Gruden his 100 million dollar self isn't signing off on these player draft picks free agency signings whatever Gruden stamp his fingerprints man are on everything in this roster for better or for worse that's what he is 100 million dollars he gets that final say so coaching wise not impressive enough and player evaluation wise for me he's never been that guy man so Eddie I, for me he is he is 0 for 2 buddy it's not looking good no, it's not looking good. You hit the nail on the head with the, the player evaluation part of it. He, that, people said when he started coaching, he came back that that was his shortcoming. He, he, as a coach, normally those types of coaches 
can't really pick the players because now look, look at the, look at the Buffalo Bills dynamic. Sean McDermott's a great head coach. He lets Brandon Pe- Bean pick the roster. They're mm-hmm. selling. They're, they're flying into the AFC playoffs. Mm-hmm. That structure to me has always been the one that works the best where you hire a GM, the GM comes in and he handpicks the head coach. That's the way you kind of build a team in today's NFL. My problem is I don't know. And my problem with, with coaches in general is their stubbornness, whether mm-hmm. it's on the field or off the field. Mm-hmm. On the field, your stubbornness to, to go for it on fourth down, whatever the, the situation calls for. And we've seen that a ton. We'll get into that in a little bit with John Gruden. But the stubbornness. And this leads me to the next point. The defensive coordinator. In my opinion, and I've said on this podcast before, John Gruden needs a different voice. That voice isn't Mike Mayock. Let Mike Mayock say, Harry, right, maybe we shouldn't do this, maybe we shouldn't do that. You hit the nail on the head. Mayock, Mike Mayock is there as a kind of just assist. John Gruden needs a defensive coordinator that's been a head coach before that can come in and say on the field or say, hey, John, this is not the right thing to do. You can't do this. You can't do that. He needs that type of voice to kind of rein him in a little bit because otherwise I just think it's going to be a, a carbon copy every single year of going, of going, you know, six and three, seven and three, hot starts and then kind of collapse in the end. My question to you is, mm-hmm. will his ego allow him to bring in a coach that's established. I don't know if that's a Wade Phillips. I don't know if that's a Dan Quinn or a Lovey Smith, whatever you say to be that voice to say, John, we have to do things this way or we're not going to, you know, it's not going to be right. Will his ego allow him as the czar of this football team, the guy that everything runs to, will his ego allow him to hire a defensive coordinator that's a a former head coach that could steer him in the right direction? Or are we going to go the Raheem Morris route, who, which I like, mm-hmm. but again, it's a still his buddy that he could say, you know what, we're, we're, I'm going to do things the way I want, kind of get out of the way a little bit. What, what's your sense on that? Because I think that's what he needs yeah. to kind of maybe get over the hump a little bit. Yeah, and I, 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 I tend to agree with you for sure. And that is, you know, everything John Gruden, um, again, it all comes back to the contract, the job security, everything John Gruden related comes back to just his ego and, and how much Mark Davis, and I had a little bit of a, of a you know, I, I kind of let my emotions out on the timeline a couple of days ago about, I mean, everything comes back to just Mark Davis sold his soul for John Gruden. You know, yeah. he has, he's given him that Bill Belichick type treatment. Uh, unfortunately for, you know, for, for Raiders fans, Belichick has obviously earned it. Whereas this Gruden has just kind of been given the crown and, and the keys to the castle and, and Davis has let him run, run free. Everything comes back to ego to your point. Totally agreed. And I just can't get a read on it. I think the easy answer is just John Gruden has that unbelievable job security. He has, you know, another seven, eight, whatever it is left to kind of play around with God. might mess around and extend him. Who knows? You know, Mark Davis is infatuated with this guy, EB. Um, And that that much is clear. So I think – John Gruden is such an enigma in that sense too, because that ego and just the jobs, the combination of all those variables um, and just the unpredictable nature of just, you know, that presser when, when they got knocked out last weekend, just, you can tell he was just on the brink of just, of just losing it. And uh, he just has that, that just emotion and just that, just that unpredictability. I have, I don't think anyone, even someone like, like Vic Tafer, who is so dialed into this team. I don't think anybody insider, I don't think anyone really can truly sit here and say that they have any idea what direction John Gruden is going to go in besides John Gruden himself. And that is the problem with, you know, draft picks and player personnel, roster valuation. Like everything goes through him and he can just at a flip of a switch, just change things up. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in, man. It's a really so tough spot to be in. Agreed. And so the honest conversation that we need to have and, and all Raider fans need to have with themselves is the detachment from what happened in the past 
to what's going on now. Okay, this is the honest conversation we as fans, we as people that follow the team, cover the team need to have. Think about it. Henry Ruggs reminds uh, Mark Davis of Cliff Branch, so we take Henry Ruggs. John Gruden won back in the day with the Raiders. Mark Davis is infatuated, brings him back. Mm-hmm. Some of the players, he, he mentioned that Gruden wants to bring that, that stuff back. Look, I'm all for it. I love it. We all love the past of this team. We all love the winning of this team. But the team hasn't won in almost – if you take out the Super Bowl run in the late 90s, early 2000s, the team hasn't won 30 years. That's a that's long crazy. time. There's that's one crazy. winning season in 18 years, and that season the quarterback broke his leg, and we had freaking Connor Cook starting a playoff game. My point is, the honest conversation is, when do we stop looking back as a fan base? As an, or when does Mark Davis stop looking back and John Gruden stop looking back and say – those Raiders are in the past. We celebrate that past, but we have to find what's best for this football team, the players that fit the new style of NFL, the new way we do things. Are they capable of doing that? Is John Gruden capable of learning and evolving and saying, you know what, that style worked in the past or this style worked for me even two years ago? I need to do things better. I need to spread it out in the red zone. I need to be better. In get, whatever the case may be, letting go of the past a little bit and embracing the future of what this league looks like. And that was supposed to be the big selling point for, you know, Gruden version two, right? This, this, this version of John Gruden, how he has spent time around the country, different NFL teams, different camps, different college programs. He has spent, you know, since his time in Tampa Bay and that, and that, that media, you know, centric period that he was, you know, had the Gruden's QB camp and, and, and the booth and all that stuff. That was the big selling point with John Gruden this time around is that he is, he's, he's not locked into any one philosophy, any which way he wants to observe and bring in the best of every single franchise that he stepped into. Um, and again, we've seen the highs with John Gruden and the offense. When things are clicking, it's awesome. He can, he can still call plays and he can still get in his bag. And it's, it's awesome. The problem is, is the inconsistencies. I mean, you hinted at the red, the red zone offense alone, just the All amount right. of, of field goals this team settles for. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it is maddening for someone that has that much clout, whether or not it's certain it's realized or not by certain segments of the fan base, whatever it is. Um, it just it just cannot happen, and I think the larger conversation you kind of alluded to it a little bit is Mark Davis, and and part of what I shared a couple of days ago was it really I mean all all this stuff it's cliche to say, but to me it all starts at the top. You know, Mark Davis he the first thing he said when his father passed and he took over was that he 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 wasn't a football guy, he doesn't know football, yeah. but he wants to commit to this team, commit to the history of it, and bring in people that do know the game better than him, and he did that. He 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 brought in Reggie McKenzie, who was highly thought of obviously that experiment did not work out but I commend Mark Davis for number one recognizing his shortcomings mm-hmm. and 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 going in what I think a lot of people would consider the right direction bringing in smart football you know personnel so that was kind of step one then he doubles down on all that and just again pushes all his chips in on John Gruden just does not make I mean obviously again he is obsessed with this guy for better or for worse he is obsessed with them but you know, we, we can go back and forth all day about John Gruden and God, does he, does he, does he live out the, the duration of the contract, whatever it is, does, you know, the ego, this, that, but really in the reality, it all starts at the top. Mark Davis as the owner has this brand new stadium in Vegas, man. No one is coming to see John Gruden, even the name of John Gruden no. and a six or seven win team. Right. So to me, it all starts at the top. And until Mark Davis puts his foot down and looks himself in the mirror again, we were, we might be stuck in the same cycle again, EB for another, you know, six, seven years. And that cycle begins to, I'm glad you referenced that as well. The cycle begins with the draft because like you said, Reggie McKenzie came here, 2014 draft, he hit it out of the park. But there's been, there's been a lot of bad, you know, more than good with this team in drafting. Yeah. And that leads me to Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, 
was, you know, we talk pre-draft, Ryan and I talk yeah. pre-draft, people that follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. I was a CD Lamb fan. Ryan was a CD Lamb fan. He was mm-hmm. a Jerry Judy fan. Mm-hmm. We understood what Ruggs brought. We understood what kind of player he was. But as the draft got closer, you could see that the chips starting to stack, that this team was going to look to, to take a Henry Ruggs to make that Tyree Kill type comparison. Sure. So we take Henry Ruggs. We see a, a, a couple of flashes here and there, but we just haven't seen the consistency. Ryan is a guy, and you could follow Ryan, breakoutfinder.com, does a great job finding talent, young talent in college and all that kind of good stuff. Henry Ruggs' first season, we could all admit here, is, is a disappointment, whether mm-hmm. that's the targets, whether that's mm-hmm. the, the big plays, whatever, what, what have you. What's your assessment of Henry Ruggs where I don't want to uh, – whether he's going to be a bust in his career or not. Yeah. The, the assessment of Henry Ruggs going forward – in the John Gruden type offense, where is it going to be in the future? Where, what can we expect from this guy in year two? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the speed is special, right? The speed is the calling card. And, and John Gruden isn't alone with just the NFL's, you know, front office's infatuation with speed. I mean, we see it year over year. John Ross, you know, more, more, more recently. If you run a 4-2 something, you know, low 4-3s, you're going to get drafted high because this league is just obsessed with the stopwatch. You know, it wasn't just an Al Davis stereotype, right? Yeah. Just the, 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 the league is obsessed with it. So given the draft capital, given the speed, he's going to continue to, we hope, be a part of this offense but that's the frustrating part is 12 overall part of this offense is like 20 or 30 targets year one I get that he was banged up a little bit but when you see even last game alone in a vacuum when you see Jason Witten rising to 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 second on the team with five targets and Henry Rugg struggling to get you know he he didn't get over two he had two targets but that's been the the separation I don't want to cut you off is the is the separation is his the, the elite speed is there But he's had trouble getting off the line of scrimmage. Is the separation in the route running there? Or like, because I feel like, all right, take out the Kansas City game when he's wide open catching bombs, and that's what you want to see from Henry Ruggs. But every other time you see him down the field, you see him with with a defender right on top of him. So with with that speed, is the separation, is he getting that separation, or is it just the route running he's got to work on to to become a better player? Yeah, and... And my guy, Coach Ted Nguyen, man, um, uh, uh, he he writes for the the athletic, phenomenal football mind, Great and job. he's done he's done a ton, you know, of, of breakdowns. And essentially, it does come off to his ability, his inability right now to beat press off the line. Not something that we saw a ton at at Alabama. You know, we saw the footwork. He really was, you know, there was a clear tier between you know C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and then Henry Ruggs. But he was he was in that conversation. You know, he was a day one pick, wasn't a top fifteenth pick where he went, but he was certainly a day one talent so we saw all that at college but right now I think it goes back you know a lot of these rookies man and I don't want to make excuses because all the rookies all the teams underwent the same protocol with COVID and everything like that but missing you know mini camp missing OTAs missing all this stuff that's certainly set some players behind you see a Justin Jefferson in Minnesota just completely blowing the league apart so it's hard for me to sit back and say well you know because we've seen players that are truly talented like I I want to believe that Ruggs is a talented player so I don't want to use that as a crutch for rugs but certainly in his you know specific development something has gone off the rails the missed time whatever it is getting banged up early earlier in the season and then I think coupled all that which is John Gruden's historic nature of just being impatient and doesn't really want to give these rookies the time of day I mean he came out and gave the proper lift service oh Brian Edwards Henry Ruggs we're going to get him going early often you know coaches lie so often and John Gruden is no he's exception the, to he's that the, he's the leader of the line he, he, he really is man he really is and again a lot 
lot of fans, you know, we can sit here and admit that and talk about that and laugh about that and not have our fan cards taken away. Um, You know, and that's just the reality of it. So for Ruggs, it was getting banged up, the missed time, John Gruden's, you know, uh, level of patience or lack thereof. So that's a perfect storm of just rookie disappointment. That's exactly what we saw. To answer your question going forward, I want to hope that someone like Jason Witten doesn't continue to to vacuum these targets from Foster Moreau, from Henry Ruggs. You know, Nelson Aguilar, take your hat off to his bounce back. Complete 180 from Philadelphia. But, man, struggling, man, to get these three targets a game doesn't make – and it is inexplicable for a top 12 pick to to fumble around like that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's absurd. And I'm not even going to mention Jason Witten because he's only going to make me mad. <laughs> the, fact that he's, the fact that he's on the roster, that's just John Gruden being being so selfish that, you know, Jason Witten's a Hall of Fame player. Let's get him. I mean, it's just, just loves him. Yeah. Just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I want to see more and, and we'll move on to something else. I, you and I love Hunter Renfro. All mm-hmm. Raider fans love, love Hunter Renfro. But the, like, take the last game, the screens, the stuff, the little bubble screens of Hunter Renfro. Those are Henry, that's, what, that's what Henry Rugg should be getting. I, no I reason, saw the stat no the reason day. not to. Henry Ruggs has thrown has been thrown like 22 slants the entire season this year. Like to me, that's John Gruden being so ridiculously stubborn. Like yeah. that's what Henry, that's what you drafted him for. Yeah. To take the top off the defense, you take him, put the ball in his hands and let him run with the football to not call these plays from is just absurd, which leads me to my next point, And that's the quarterback. My favorite subject, your favorite subject, Raider nation's favorite subject. If you want to argue yeah. for bringing up politics, you bring up the quarterback, <laughs> you bring up Derek Carr. So to piggyback off that offensive conversation we had about Henry yeah. Ruggs, Derek Carr has had a good season. I think you can admit mm. that he, at yeah, times sure. he's played like we saw in 2016 where he's taken the top. Mm-hmm. The can, both Kansas City games was the best we've probably seen Derek Carr play in, his tenure, in his tenure with the Raiders. So in the, in the Gruden offense, the targets, we talk about targets for rugs. It frustrates me that the progressions, and, and we all know that Carr falls in love with guys. Obviously, he fell in love with Nelson Aguilar yeah. this year, and Nelson Aguilar has, has proven that, that, that it's good enough. But the quarterback moving forward, is this something – I always say, and we get into fights all the time about it, <laughs> he's not the problem. I'm willing to admit here that the way the Raider roster is, is built and take away free agency in the draft because we don't know, that the Raiders are – and able to make that leap into the next tier without elite quarterback play, Mahomes, Allen, Russell Wilson, because the roster yep. is, is so bad. So the question is, if Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback in 2021, which most likely as we sit here today, anything can change, he probably will be. Yep. yep. If he's going to be the quarterback, some other level of the, of the team, and we can talk about the defense forever, is going to have to be elite. So two-part question. Do you think Carr is going to be the, the Raider quarterback? Your assessment of his season so far, has he proved you wrong a little bit? And what mm-hmm. needs to happen for this offense to take the next step? And what other part of this team has to be better? Obviously, it's going to be the defense for this team to make that jump into the second tier of AFC teams. Yeah, I have to sit here and agree with you that as we record this late, late December here, you know, as of this, as of this, you know, recording, I, I find it hard to believe that it won't be Derek Carr right now. Um, I think, you know, for better, for worse, John Gruden and him are kind of tied to the hip right now. They are going to, you know, succeed together and fail together. And that, you know, kind of ties into your second question a little bit as far as what he needs to do and what this team needs to do. I mean, if John Gruden is, is elevating the offense and the play calling is there and Derek Carr is thriving in that environment, you know, Derek Carr has played well start the season. 
it's they 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 fly and die together right both these guys you know John Gruden was calling some unbelievable football. Derek Carr was producing to start the season. Both of them have kind of floundered out together. And that was kind of the story last year as well. And that's been the story for Derek Carr, really his majority, the majority of his career. My, my stance on Derek Carr, and again, I give you a hard time, give each other a hard time. It's all love. Um, my stance on Derek Carr really hasn't changed much. He needs, to me, it's not necessarily a knock, but I, I've never seen Derek Carr as really an, a, an elevator of talent around him. You know, Cooper highs. We've seen the Michael Crabtree highs. We've seen the Darren Waller consistent. All these things are great. They're in place. But I don't see Derek Carr as the type of quarterback that can really take over and elevate the talent around him to, you know, overcome defensive deficiencies or overcome some poor play calling or overcome some, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So I think Derek Carr just kind of is who he is. I think you can win with him. Um, that, that really hasn't ever been a question. We've seen a win before, but as you kind of alluded to a little bit, can you get over that hump? And what needs to happen for that to happen is it's, it's so much, man, Evie. It's so much. It's the play calling. It's Gruden. It's, it's the personnel. Like it's so particular, right. With, with Derek Carr, it's, it's tough. It's tough to pin down any one thing. Um, I, I, I don't have a really good answer for that because I think it's, I think it's like a two year or longer process, right? It, it's, it's so tough, buddy. If he's going to be the quarterback in 2021, going to a fourth year of the system, we could talk about roster holes all we want. Two questions here to kind of wrap it up. Obviously the defense is the worst defense in the NFL. It's been right. a sieve. It's been unbelievably bad for so long and it's holding this team back. Who is your pick right now as we sit here, December 29th, 2020, wrapping up 2020? Who's your pick for D.C. for this football team? And what are the two – I would say, all right, there's a lot of holes on defense. We could say the whole entire defense needs a a revamping. But who's your pick for D.C.? And who – what are the biggest holes on this football team as we head into draft season, your specialty, and free agency and all that kind of stuff? So who's the D.C.? Give me the two, three biggest holes on this football team as we head into the offseason. Yeah, I think I think DC wise, the easiest answer is it's maybe even just keeping Rod Marinelli in house. Again, it goes back to what what you said earlier about John Gruden's just familiarity with with these guys, and you know Marinelli, someone that's already on staff, has been evaluated uh, given the DC change already. So he seems to be kind of the easy answer. Outside, you and I talked a little bit off air before. Raheem Morris is someone that I'm sure is is going to get talked about a little bit. And the other name that's already kind of been buzzed about is is Wade Phillips, kind of the elder statesman, right? Someone that's got it done at a high level before my only kind of pause with Wade Phillips, you know, looking back at the stops that, that he's been, he's had some unbelievable defensive rosters to work with some unbelievable talent. Um, I, I don't want to sell Wade Phillips short because I think the resume does speak for itself at this point with, you know, maybe some asterisks on it, given the talent he's, he's being able to work with. I'd be, I mean, coming to this particular roster, this particular Raiders roster would be the ultimate test for Wade Phillips. You know what I mean? Just seeing what he can do with, as we both agreed, a bottom three or worse defensive roster. So I think Wade Phillips makes a lot of sense. Um, he's not someone that I think a lot of fans will probably get super excited about given his history, but not someone that I would get, you know, over my skis about just given, I think, you know, the situations he's fallen into before have been, have been really, really, really. That's bringing it in too. And that, that goes back that, again, not to cut you off. That no, no, goes, no, you're fine. That, that's switching now defensive systems. That's going from four, three to three, four. Exactly. So exactly. we're talking about different talent, which might suit different players better. It might be better for Cleveland Thurl. It might be better for Max Crosby to become that Connor Barwin type guy on the outside. So it might benefit 
the personnel constantly on the team, you know, that's on the team right now to switch over to a three fours instead of a four three, but that's long. So give me your, uh, give me your holes. Yeah. Your, your three biggest needs for this football team as we head into 2021. It's, I mean, unfortunately, man, it's uh, the, the defense somehow has stayed as bad as it was, if not has gotten worse. So it's the same needs. It's, it's pets pass rush. It's, it's, it's help at linebacker. We, we splashed a little bit in, in free agency and, and neither of which have really kind of rose to the occasion. Um, so I think linebacker's still up there. And for me, man, I think, I think pass rush is always at the top just given how important it is, but I would just love to get, you know, some legit help, a true cornerback one, a lockdown corner. Um, you know, so for me, between pass rush and corner pass rush and cornerback would be my two biggest needs. I love the kid out of Virginia Kentucky, the Caleb Farley just a monster. I think he's like six two, six three. He's the one that opted out, right? He's the one that opted he out. He opted out. He opted yep. out. Yep. So, and and it's going to be, you know, you, you speak about draft season. It's going to be a really tricky evaluation because a lot of these kids are, you know, some of them perhaps needed to make, you know, put some more on tape to kind of sell themselves and sell that stock. And some of them, obviously, given the COVID situation, understandably have opted out. So you were kind of left maybe with some more questions. It's going to be a super, super interesting process. Stuff like, you know, the combine, if, if that happens, we assume that happens, uh, will be even more important to really kind of get this stuff vetted out but Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain uh, out of Alabama and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame just like the you know he's he's kind of like this year's version of the Clemson linebacker last year EB who I'm blanking on his name. Uh, 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 Isaiah Simmons. Yes there you My go. My guy yeah, so Isaiah it, Simmons. Uh, I was we, big on that train. Exactly man. we we you and I both love that obviously went 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 a bit high but um you know so he's kind of this year's version just kind of that that in between tweener hybrid linebacker safety and again the game is changing buddy it's so much faster you don't see these big lumbering like two sick 250 260 pound linebackers you know what i mean you want these guys that are 230 240 whatever lighter you mean, lighter, you, mean like Devin, you mean like Devin white you mean like that it would, it, it'd be nice to have someone like that over here buddy right it'd <laughs> I, be wish real nice. chance, I wish we had a chance to draft a player <laughs> like that my my two biggest uh, and i want to get your thoughts on this my two biggest holes for this football team is a true center fielder free safety. Someone mm-hmm. back there, you know, they could pair with Jonathan Abram because he's not going to be going anywhere. But this team safety play this year, and I got texts from a bunch of guys that are on the coaching staff, like the safety play is just not good enough. Like we all love Eric Harris, some of the things he did. Like you got your rolling out there with Dallin Levitt, like against teams, it's just absurd. Like not you need a true ball hawking free safety, whether it's in free agency or the draft. And to me, uh, yeah, pass rush, but interior pass rush. We haven't had interior pass rush on this football team for a long time. We cannot generate any interior pass rush. We saw Hankins get a sack in the last game, but you know Mo Hurst flashed for a couple for a couple seasons. But to me, the consistent interior pass rush. I know the Aaron Donalds don't come along, you know, every 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 other year, but interior pass rush. Another, add another linebacker and a true ball hawking free safety for me would, would set this you know defense up but to your point it all comes back to coaching we could have all the players you want you could have all the talent you want if the talent's used right the big knock on Paul Gunther was he had some talent but he kind of you know it was it was too verbose the, the coverage and he, he, you don't play my biggest frustration with coaches is you coach your style instead of coaching the guys the way that to, to what they do best this if this guy does it a certain way let him do what he's he's good at if Corey Littleton's good at doing this let him let him do what he's good at so I just think that getting a coach in there that's going to teach these guys teach Damon Arnett and cover two to drop a little bit when there's nobody in the flat and don't let up freaking Mac Collins behind you for the catch like <laughs> just little things like that but ball hugging free safety and an interior guy for me are my two biggest the only thing that I'll add and it's kind of like again I 
maybe for several years now, you and I approach this team a good bit differently, but that's what makes, that's what makes this stuff super fun. I am a bit more, we'll say pessimistic, but I will say, buddy, the silver lining to this season and looking at this roster, the way things currently sit is that there really is, you know, the Raiders, and this is, this is probably going to come back and bite me some way somehow. There's really no wrong direction. This team can go outside of drafting like a center to, to replace Rodney Hudson. You know what I mean? Like this is like, any any position the Raiders call on day one for me, like I'll be like, man, that person's gonna start. It's gonna be an upgrade. I'll feel good about it. Like, and that obviously that that is the good. The bad is that the needs are certainly outweigh everything here. We have so many of them. But the good news is, hopefully, you can't fumble that because you're throwing darts. The dartboard is huge. Uh, you have so many needs to fill. So really, it's just take the best player, hope for the best, uh, hope that John Gruden's ego, again, doesn't doesn't get too loud in the room. Um, again, I'm sure this will bite me some way somehow, but that's, that's kind of my, my approach. I think too, but if we, you know, we'll end on this. They haven't taken the best player in years past. That's the problem. They haven't taken the, the, the best player. They've taken maybe for need. You draft you obviously over draft Cleon Farrell, even though he's turned into a de- you know a decent end. Mm-hmm. You don't take them like they they haven't taken the best player in the ball, and that's what's frustrating. You know, Damon Arnett. Uh, will ever will he ever be a true number one cornerback? I don't know. He he showed to be a, at times a knucklehead this year. He hasn't really mm-hmm. flashed. There's no picks. There's no. He was supposed to be this physical guy. Every time he tries to tackle, he knocks himself out of concussion. So you just hope that they they understand that going into this offseason, we call every offseason the most important offseason, but (laughs) how could this not be the most important offseason to rebuild this team? You look what the Carolina Panthers did. Carolina Panthers spent every single draft pick on, on defense. Now, we love Jeremy Chin. Yeah, I would love to have Jeremy Chin. <laughs> look at Brian Burns. You were a Brian Burns guy too. Brian Burns is, 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 up, is, is a Pro Bowl guy, almost 10, 11 sacks a year. Just draft you know good players. Draft, draft, good, good, draft players. good players. But they knew that their defense needed some help. They had McCaffrey on the offense. Let's just go out. I would not be mad at all if the Raiders went entirely defense in a draft and just, uh, just got the needs filled on this football team. Yeah. And, and you have to feel like, and, and going back to the whole ego thing, right? It's like you, I, that would be the optimal approach for this team, just given again, how bad this roster is, but you just, I, you have to know that John Gruden is going to stand up. He's going to make a pitch for a tight end or make a pitch for He's another take a quarterback. In like exactly. Round one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's going to, you know, John Gruden, his voice man carries for sure, for sure, for better or worse. Last question before I let you go. Yeah, yeah. Will Dwayne Haskins be a member of the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> we, all mean, know, yeah. we all know that he, John Gruden loves himself some projects. Will Haskins be on this roster? Dude, I immediately, as soon as he got cut, you know, I, I, I had my little spiel, but I said he was the, he was the future Raiders quarterback too, man. I just think him and Mayock, again, we've seen it before, the reclamation progress, you know, the projects and, and John Gruden, I'm sure he'll fall in love and he'll make some sort of excuse. It'll be, it'll be Carr, Haskins, and Peterman, man, the most beautiful mess ever. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Ryan is always a pleasure, man. I'm glad we got, Thank you, brother. got to do this breakoutfinder.com still Ryan five on Twitter does a great job. Follow him, especially going into draft season. He does a terrific job. Happy new year, Ryan. Happy we'll new year, this. brother. We'll do this again, please after the new year and we'll have some more fun. Love it, man. All right.